Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Dunk You Very Much, Central Taipei's number one English language NBA podcast. I'm your host, Sam Yarbs. With me, as always, my co-host and good friend, Matthew Von Ryan. Shout out to another good friend and new listener and subscriber, Russ, listening in Bar Harbor, Maine. Bar Harbor. Killing that kayak game. That's it. That's guys, good. Uh, if you guys want to do a tour in Bar Harbor, just use the the code Sam and Matt, and you might get a ten percent discount. I thought the code was Russ Boner, so is that not the code? Russ Boner. Oh, we gotta get that one. All right, nice. All right, we're coming at you guys with a pod. This is a surprise NBA stats pod. Holy shit! Stats that stand out. Stats, brah, stats that just pop out. They jump off the page. They jump off a basketball reference at you. Some of the things we're looking at right here is it's you know it, we're only about 13, 14 games into the season for most of these teams. Matt, it's too early to draw larger inferences. We talked about how we can't really look at over unders yet. It's tough to look at playoff seating, anything like that. There's a lot. Seventy five percent of the teams in the league, as you put it in the last pod, are between seven and five wins. There's not a lot of variance there, but. There are some stats that we can start to draw larger inferences from. There's a shitload of stats, and people kind of uh, can take a sort of negative view of stats. Like, there's too many stats, and I agree there are a lot of stats, and a lot of them are not really important. Like, Schroeder's a good player, slightly above average. Like, cool, okay, it doesn't matter. But there are some stats, when you see them, holy fuck, I, I watch NBA every day, I follow everything, but I did not know this. Yeah, I like the NBA. I like stats in the NBA because, for the most part, the stats kind of confirm the eye test. Like, I don't need to know. Most of the time. You don't need to know someone's PER to understand that Durant's a great player. Exactly. You know, you don't need to understand that. But at the same time, they can add context. They can add things to the to the league. And sometimes, like you said, they can kind of point to trends that are going to be more significant later on down the line. And some of the stats that I think we'll talk about now maybe are represent trends that, if they continued, could could alter the landscape of the league and have big implications down the road come playoff time. So uh, we're going to look at... We each have three statistics that we've picked as our most surprising stats of the year, yeah. things that jumped out at us that we maybe would not have predicted going into the year. Yeah. And, uh, and so, yeah, with that, let's kick it off, man. Let's get into the stats. I've got three here. I have three. Uh, shall I kick it off? Go for it. The first one I want to pitch to you, not to be too much of a homer here, but I gotta say, the most surprising statistic of the year to me, and the one that I love the most. Sam starting over the Celtics. Wow. Boston, Boston has the number one defense in the NBA this year. That goes to one of the stats I have. It's uh, Sam talks about the Celtics on 100% of the podcast. I, I <laughs> We've carved stat. out nine minutes at the end for your uh, your Myers Leonard rant. You know, whatever. So all right, you can you can do whatever you want to do with Portland. He's injured. I'll lay off. How can we not talk? about Boston they are they've won 11 in a row after dropping the first two they are an NBA topic I don't feel bad talking about that no, I love it they have the number one defense in the league this is a team that uh you know lost Avery Bradley and Jay Crowder lost is maybe strong traded away Avery Bradley and Jay Crowder two guys who were viewed throughout the league as kind of these real defensive stalwarts then you start starting these younger kids Jalen Brown and Tatum are both in the starting lineup whereas Marcus Smart you know one of the uh guys reputationally is best defenders on the team is coming off the bench. Uh, you add Kyrie Irving, a guy who's just been viewed as kind of a, a matador on defense this year, uh, replacing another terrible defensive player. <laughs> the Isaiah worst Thomas, point guard. The worst point guard defensive player. But, I mean, uh, you just look at the, the numbers. Smart's coming off the bench. Bye-bye Bradley. Bye-bye Crowder. Hello, Kyrie Irving. How has this team gotten better defensively? What it, is the juice? It's insane. I mean, Baines has... Played really well, but not enough to explain 
you know, number one defense in the NBA. But yeah, Baines is not. I mean, he's he's a, he's, he's a fine piece. He's a great player. He's, he's a rim protector. He's built like Australia. But yeah, uh, he, <laughs> I mean, who's he replacing? Like Olenek minutes? Like Amir I, Johnson. Amir Johnson. Yeah, he's, the, uh, Amir Johnson's tough, but he's kind of ground bound. I, yeah, I think Baines, he's, he's been very. He's one of those guys. My dad used to say he gets shorter when he jumps because <laughs> if he hunches his shoulders, he actually gets shorter every time he jumps. I mean, it's just not. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, you have to just look at the coach, right? I mean, I think mm-hmm. Kyrie, yeah, he's a minus defender, slight upgrade over Isaiah Thomas. Aaron mm-hmm. Baines is probably a little more than slight upgrade. Well, can we but, say this year Kyrie has has been busting his ass on defense? He has been playing good defense. I think it's because Steven's system encourages team defense. Yeah, you know, it, it's really a lot of switching and helping, and uh, yeah, but I, I'm you know I'm surprised. I thought they would be. Yeah. Around you know maybe two or three in offense and maybe top ten in defense. That's where I thought their ceiling was. Yeah. So I don't know, Sam. You've watched more games than me. Like, what do you think? What's I think it kind of speaks to um, first of all the 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 defense is uh let's get a little little bit wonky right here, but there's a little bit of uh it, there's there's certain statistics and there's certain you, you, things that we use to measure players reputationally that are what we would call like a, a sticky indicator. Hmm. In economics, employment is sticky. The economy starts to get better before the jobs come back. It takes time for jobs to come back. The economy has to be better for a long time before companies feel confident enough to start paying people. So employment is what we call a, a sticky indicator. It's okay. slow to move. Defensive reputation is probably one of the stickiest indicators you have. Absolutely. Given by the fact that people still consider Ray John Rondo a good defender. Like this is like he was a he was ten years ago he was a good on the ball defender and this thing. Mira Sheik is the greatest rim protector. Rim protector, yeah. Verticality. I mean, yeah, verticality. You know, this, this the when someone gets the reputation of being a good defender, it's it's almost harder to lose that reputation than it is to uh, than than it is in any other case in, in any other statistical category. So I think Jay Crowder suffered. A little bit from that this is a guy the Celtics had a lot of guys who were great on the ball defenders Bradley is a is a is a very good it's a ball hawking like point guard shut down type defender but for a team to play defense it turns out it's really really good to have a lot of incredibly long wing players like Tatum and Brown Tatum is not an excellent yet on the ball defender he's a 19 year old kid but he's freakishly long He's going to occupy space in passing lanes just by where he is. And if he plays within the system, as you put it, Brad Stevens' system, uh, it, it makes for a really potent defensive combination. So hmm. I think that the reputation of individuals as, as one-on-one lockdown defenders is overrated in, in, in terms of how the team it works as a unit, the cohesiveness. And Boston's full of long, rangy guys going through the bench to Rogier to, to Simi, a uh, young Frenchman coming off the bench. Yeah, you sell it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And looking, looking, looking really good. So I think yeah. that's been a, a big part of it. I like it. Yeah. So yeah, Boston coming up with the number one defense. Uh, you know, I expected their offense to improve greatly. Gordon Hayward going down. Uh, I expected things to fall apart, and they've, if anything, just gotten better and better. Will they be the number one defensive team, Matt? What do you think about this for the future? Will Boston finish the year as the number one defensive team? Uh, I think the system in place is strong enough that they can finish top three. I mean, like. One to three is almost the same thing. I, I would argue, yeah. like yeah. probably. So yeah, I think it's gonna last. I so think this is a real. This is a real. I think it's a real deal. That's real deal. I agree. I think it is the real deal. I don't know if they'll finish number one. Uh, hopefully, Horford um, hurries back. 
And if Hayward comes back, you know, he's a good defender. He's, he's a, a good defender. and another guy, he's a guy who can guard long, LeBron, rangy, too. yeah, long, rangy guy, and uh, who can fit, yeah, as much as anyone can, can as much guard as LeBron, anyone. yeah, exactly, yeah. So yeah, Boston's defense that was one that jumped out to me as a surprise stat in the early going. I like it. Yeah, that that is very surprising. I would not have guessed that. I mean, no. I I knew that, but I would not have guessed that pre. Going into the year, yeah, not at all. I thought it would have been the other way. Boston starts to become one of those trying to run and gun teams, and maybe they slip a little defensively. Yeah. Yeah, Stan. Let me take you back to uh, November twentieth. Take me back. Two thousand fifteen. Ooh, way back. ESPN uh, posted oh, a story. Top ten moments. How Warriors and Clippers became NBA's best rivalry. Ooh. If you remember back to 2014, the year before the Warriors won the title, the Clippers bounced them in the first round. Peace. And there was bad blood before this, and there was mm-hmm. bad blood after this. There was a whole series of great quotes. Uh, there was fighting between uh, Big Baby and, and, and Draymond, pretty much always versus Blake Griffin, but it was a, it was a <laughs> Clippers-Warriors thing, but it almost always against Blake uh, you know, people calling each other cowards. Uh, Draymond had the great quote uh, when asked about uh, Griffin's basketball uh, ability. Uh-huh. He said, uh, he's a great actor. I've seen those Kia commercials. <laughs> <laughs> Mock tr- uh, mic drop on that one. And then there was the, the really famous Draymond uh, cool, st- cool Story Glenn. Do you remember yeah. that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Doc Rivers was complaining about uh, Draymond's... Uh, the way he plays basketball, the way he, he kind of roughs up players when they go for lane yeah. and kind of makes them dirty plays. Just cool story, Glenn. It became a meme. It became shirts. It was just <laughs> a big thing. Uh, this was the NBA's best rivalry. These two teams yeah. hated each for other. For a couple years. That was, must, that was must see TV, yeah. And then in 2000, I think it was 2016, Griffin and Jordan admitted in a, a, a post-game press conference that... Uh, this is not a rivalry anymore. Like they no. beat us, they beat us the last three times. This is not a rivalry. Yeah, the okay. Warriors no longer had rivalries at that point. <laughs> but this was still young Warriors. This was yeah. still like they just had won one title, and the yeah. season before they were bounced in the first round. So this is, you could see the makings of a dynasty. But uh, this was not the, this was not like the uh, the, the Warriors that we think of now. Yeah, where there are known quality. The preseason champion Warriors. <laughs> so. In 2014, December yeah. 25th... I like the backstory on the stat. I'm excited for what the status is. Like. The Clippers beat the Warriors. 2014. Yeah. And they have yet to beat them again. This And this was the biggest well, rivalry... Break that down. Repeat that again. Sorry, because I stepped on it a little bit. Please re- repeat that stat. December 25th, 2014. The last time the Clippers beat the Warriors. And, and even it's in, almost three years now. And even in 2015, ESPN wrote the story how how this became the, the greatest rivalry in basketball. And just great quotes. I mean, you could, you could Google search it now and find mm-hmm. it. Just amazing stuff. Just so much bad blood, ejections, and shots on social media. And they have yet to beat them in the last 11 tries. The Warriors wow. have smoked them 11 times in a row. I mean, if you just ask me, like, what, you know, what would, over the last 11 games, what is the Clippers' record against the Warriors, I would have guessed definitely a beatdown. But to really look at, like, uh, I like the way you laid that out over the, the, the lens of them being viewed as a rivalry for almost three years in a row to NBA's not have best beaten rivalry. that team. The NBA's best rivalry to not have beaten that team. That is, that is uh, it's, 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 it's surprising in context. It's not surprising in the, in the present moment, but it's definitely surprising when you look back to the lens of context. But it shows you how fast 
narrative changes you know yeah. it's uh it's very very interesting so uh, you know uh, i wonder in three years we'll look back at the articles that was written about the warriors inevitability as champions this year mm. uh if uh if we'll be having the same kind of conversation about that uh that's yeah. very interesting do you think that the clippers have a chance against the warriors this year i mean what other team have the warriors dominated so like so dramatically like if you just look at like portland i think portland i looked at their last Last ten games, Portland's uh, seven or sorry three and seven. So mm-hmm. it's like okay, like yeah, Warriors are a much better team. They even swept them in the playoff yeah. regular season. You get some wins, eleven in a row, and the origins are where the other team bounced you out of the playoffs in the first round, and how yeah. it was this great rivalry. That's where the origins started. Just to go on this kind of run, I think it's a pretty amazing stat. When I heard that. I, I couldn't believe it. That's a deep I, I would, cut. I like that. Surprise. I would bet yeah. against the Clippers in every game. I yeah. think they have three more games. They lost one this year. They have three more. I I, I would think they would win one, but uh, if they don't, then hats off to the Warriors. I mean, yeah, you'd think they'd win one. Then you look at the Warriors. They've already lost three. And you start to wonder, well, how many games will the Warriors lose this whole year? And then yeah, it gets it gets they're, squirrely. They're clicking. Yeah. It gets squirrely. Yeah, now they have definitely tied it together. They are nine and one over their last ten. Won six in a row. Uh, definitely. Um, uh, figured it out and are back where we thought they would be, which is at the top of the Western Conference. All right, uh, so that's a good one. Um, hit me uh, with one. Uh, I'm gonna go. Uh, so I like that. First, we started off with kind of a uh, a defining 2017 story. Then you took us on kind of a, a an overview, a little looked a little a little a trip down memory lane, a history trip right now. And I'm gonna go to a, uh, an individual story that uh, is maybe been a little bit under the radar this year, but uh, is not. Um, has gotten a little bit of love, but um, the number four scorer in the year of this league is is Boogie Cousins, averaging twenty eight point seven points per game. That's not the statistic that blows my mind, though. This is the one that blows my mind. Boogie Cousins is averaging seven point eight three point attempts per game. Wow. Seven point eight three point almost eight three point attempts per game. Wow. That is, uh, I mean. That's among the highest in the league in terms of three point attempts, and this is coming from a six foot eleven starting five on any team, a, a, a center and a big dude. He's not built like Giannis or Porzingis. Like, okay, that guy's gonna he's chuck from like, the outside. He's not even like AD. He's not even built like Anthony Davis. He's, he's built like a guy who who shouldn't leave the the protective circle. He should be around the rim at all times. Yeah, and he is, uh, and he is averaging seven point eight uh, three point attempts per game, making about three point six. Uh, of those shots per game, uh, shooting a very a very respectable clip. Uh, I mean, to me, like if you asked, if you if you had to go back in time, you know, thirty years and show anyone a game tape and then some statistics, I think this would be one of the ones that would be the hardest for them to square. Like, the you know the closest thing that we have the close is he the closest to like a Shaq player in terms of size and skill combination? I'm not putting yeah. him in the same stratosphere as Shaq. Shaq uh, dominated the league in a way that Boogie Cousins, while amazing, has never... Just the size. Boogie has never... And, and skill. The size and skill combination. Because you got a guy like Drummond and Jordan who have the size, but don't have anywhere near the, the dexterity that Shaquille had around the, around the, the rim the, with the finishing. Boogie reminds me of that a little bit. And you have this, this like Shaq light type player shooting almost eight three-pointers a game. 2017, what the fuck are you doing to my NBA? And it's like... Porzingis comes in the league and he's shooting threes and you're like, okay, well yeah. he learned that in Latvia. Yeah. Cousins didn't come in the league shooting threes. And he I remember a couple of years ago when he started shooting them, they were ugly and it was like the home, <laughs> the hometown <laughs> announcers hated it mm-hmm. and you know he was sort of criticized for every time he'd shoot them, and you know he's probably around thirty percent and just kind of worked his way up. 
So just, it's kind of, it's one of those situations where it's like, fuck, what do I do with my life? Because this guy is not built to shoot threes, and he yeah. didn't shoot threes, and he's like, oh, I just learned to shoot threes. It's like, yeah. Shit, I should have done that. I should have learned to shoot threes. I, I didn't know I could just do that. I didn't know if I worked two like two years in the gym that I could shoot threes. That I could play in Taiwan. We could play in Taiwan, man. If we just learned to shoot threes, yeah. Uh, um, That's insane that you can learn an elite skill like that. The elite skill. I mean, so just fast. I mean, it, it was one of the ones you know I'd kind of like I'd, I've been seeing the idea of like wow Boogie's really shooting a lot of threes, so I wanted to look up okay how many threes has Boogie been shooting and that when I saw the number going into it knowing he'd been shooting a lot of threes. To see that it's close to eight threes a game just absolutely blew my mind. I would have guessed five. Yeah. Just to be honest. yeah. That's five, like over three more a game. And think about, you know, the 13 games into the season, you know, that how many, that's a ton of shots he's jacking up from the outside. I mean, obviously his context is a little unique with the Pelicans being a, a very weak team on the perimeter, but a very weak team uh, anywhere not named Boogie Cousins and Anthony Davis. but um, Anywhere not the four and the five. That's still uh, very, very interesting to me. So, yeah, that, that's the, my first individual stat of the of the year. Yeah, I mean, speaking of players who are just, like, overperforming and just blowing my mind with uh, the efficiency, get a look at the Los Angeles Lakers, Lonzo Ball. This guy, his efficiency is just... His is that Kyle me. Kuzma's teammate? <laughs> <laughs> I just... He kind of stepped up my joke here. Okay, he's horrible. I cannot believe how bad Lonzo Ball's shooting percentage is here. Oh, it, it, it is just unreal. And I, I, I get that he's he's been given the, the, the reins. He's been given the franchise. He's... Magic Johnson said in like the press conference, like, I hope to have your uh, your jersey in the Raptors next to mine. Like, that's a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. And that he's not really known for his scoring, although he scored, like, 20 a game in college. So, mm-hmm. uh, okay, whatever. But uh, so so far this year, he's averaged nine points per game, six rebounds, seven assists. And it's like, okay, well, he's just kind of a, a different player. Like, he's a unicorn. That's mm-hmm. what it is. The unicorn is going to be tall and shoot threes. It's it just a player we've never seen before. Yeah. And, and I can buy that. And when I watch him, I kind of like his intensity and I like the way he handles like all, everything around him. He's always so cool. Yeah. I, I hate his hair. It looks ridiculous. <laughs> but his shooting numbers are even worse. 29% from the field. 22% from three. 50% from the line. Ooh, that's a bad one. 29, 22, and 50. Man, that was Sam, a <laughs> I get he is not a scorer, and I yeah. get they don't even need him to score. Yeah. But it's it's like <laughs> yeah. it's like a quarterback who's really really good at running, and, mm-hmm. but they can't throw the ball. It's yeah. like okay, like you're you're elite at other stuff, but like your job is like you got to get the ball out of your hands. You got to find receivers. Like this yeah. is kind of how the game is played. Yeah, and if you're gonna be the point guard. So I those numbers stood out to me. That's a stat that stands out. But Sam, I got a question for you. Do you think he can have a career in the NBA and a good one mm-hmm. if he's just elite at everything else, mm-hmm. but just he never becomes a shooter? Like, well, you, it's interesting because we, I think we got to get a little bit more got to get a little more specific because uh, we used a couple different words when we we're talking about Lonzo right there. So. He didn't come into the league with a reputation as a scorer, sure. 
But he did come into the league with a reputation as a shooter. He was considered to be a, a, a good three-point shooter. He was in college. He, he was beat Oregon twice. He wasn't considered a great scorer, like a guy who's going it to... Was, it was almost phrased in the, in, the, in the idea like scoring isn't the most important thing to him. He looks to make the best play, the best pass first. And see, that part I totally understand, and I like yeah. it. If you, but you need to be a threat. I, you I, need, or, exactly. That's what or I was going to say. this is my yeah. question. Do yeah. you need to be a threat? So I think he is so elite to everything else. I think you absolutely do need to be a threat. I think that he could totally thrive in the league as a non-scorer, but he cannot thrive in the league if he is a miserable shooter. Um, I mean, I, I think if, if he can't shoot, his ceiling becomes a... a, a, a Worst defensively, Ricky Rubio, uh, which with Ricky Rubio without the defense becomes a borderline uh, backup point guard. Um, it's just uh, it, it 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 hasn't looked good. Again, I think our early season. I mean, point guard is the toughest uh, position to come in and play straight away. Definitely uh, after uh, coming coming into the league as a rookie. Especially in LA, and some of the other rookies in recent years have uh, have really kind of warped our our expectations for these young guys coming out of college. He played in a really kind of unique college system where they were just running and bombing and gunning it, and then he went to preseason and they're running and bombing and gunning it. And now he's on a team with Brooke Lopez and Cantavius Caldwell Pope, and they're sometimes running and they're sometimes setting up in the half court. And um, so he's he's had to deal with a lot. He's had to make a lot of adjustments, and I I think the jury is far from out on him. But uh, no, he needs to. You want to see his shooting numbers get better. If he just can't shoot, the the ones from the line are the one would be the ones that would worry me. Yeah. So just to, I looked up Ricky Rubio stats because he's sort of like the go-to of like a a player can't be worse offensively than him. A point guard can't be yeah. worse offensively than him. He he is the bottom of mm-hmm. the starting point guard. Yeah. And he's so good at everything else, the passing, the defense, yeah. not unlike Lonzo Ball. I'm just looking up his career stats. So he shot... Uh, uh, Rubio has been shooting 38% from the field, which is just awful. But it's nine points higher than Lonzo. Yeah. And he's his career three-point shooting percentage is 31%. Yeah. That's, that's not that bad. Thirty-three percent makes like you league league equals like a two-point uh, field goal. But yeah. you can't leave Rubio open. Yeah, you can go under screens on Rubio you, you, though. You, yeah, exactly. You go yeah. under screens, but you can't. You, you can't, can't just ignore him in the corner. A la Rondo, he's not Robertson. Like, yeah, yeah, he's, he's not, not Robertson. Yeah, and, he's not Robertson. And he's not Lonzo. Lonzo shooting twenty-two percent. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, and they're going well, under screens. They're leaving him open. Well, Rubio had those years in Spain to kind of uh, to kind of mature his game a little bit and to kind of master the other all around stuff. And, and uh, uh, Rubio was always better in the half court than Lonzo has looked so far. He was great when they were out in the break and running, but Rubio could still get some beautiful those passes. passes in the half. He could still run a half court set. Lonzo, if if he really cannot shoot, if this is really the shooter that he's going to be, he's going to be unable to thrive in the half court. And he's, in, at that point. You know, in the playoffs, you have to be able to, to, to set up and have a point guard who can run a half court set. And, uh, but it, it's still very it's still early. What do you, what do you think? I mean, this statistic obviously surprised you. It's one that jumped out of you. What what kind of what does this mean? Are, are these are is this uh, obviously it's a red flag? But is this a, is this a a death bell for for his career? Is it is there room to turn this around? Can he do? People have made the Jason Kidd analogy. Uh, came in the year as a, as a stat stuffer, getting it done, but not a great shooter. Um, I don't think that's completely apt. J- Jason Kidd was the guy like who just had the ball in his hands at all time, and Lonzo is always looking to give it up, and 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 sometimes 
could maybe be a little bit more selfish with the ball. Um, I don't know. But uh, what do you think? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I wonder if he's afraid of being fouled. He's shooting 50%. Yeah. Uh, hack a lons- Hack a ball. <laughs> yeah, maybe you can uh, ask uh, Drummond to give him some off-season training. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, honest, it's honestly true. But, uh, you know, I, I just think it's so interesting because I think the league so far has sort of accepted him and also sort of praised him as, like, he's, like, one of the next great guys, because he makes these passes that no one else can make. Yeah. Like, no point guard can make these. Like, Chris Paul doesn't make it. Even Rubio is pretty slick, doesn't make it. Mm. And on defense, you know, he's a big dude. Like, I think he's like 6'6". Six, six, so, on defense, he does kind of terrorize the other point guard. Not terrorize, but he, he holds his ground, and he's got, like, a high motor. He gets a lot of rebounds for a point guard. Mm. And he just seems like a, like a, a pretty, like, good head on his shoulder dude. Like, even after his big games, his triple double, he just said, "I don't care about the stats." Mm-hmm. When he shot, when he scored zero points against Portland, he's like, "Well, I was just trying to set up my teammates." <laughs> he got three assists in that game, so I don't know how much that story works out. But yeah, Dame got me in a vice grip. Come on. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 the CJ Dame combo of uh, the two-headed dragon of defense. <laughs> but uh, you know, I'm just curious about it. I really don't know. To be honest, yeah. I I would just be I'd just be guessing. Mm-hmm. But it seems like. When, when good players are on bad teams, it's almost like they're incubated because the, the other team doesn't really give a shit about them, about exploiting right. them. They're just trying to win. Yeah. And once the Lakers get good or if, if they get some free agents this year, like, I think uh, his, his weaknesses are going to be exploited a lot more. Like, the, mm-hmm. coach, the coaches are going to start planning for him and preparing for him. And like, yeah. I, but, I mean, hey, Cousins learned to sh- shoot threes. Why can't Lonzo? Yeah, can't Lonzo. I mean, yeah, you can go back to like he was a good shooter. Like he, it's not like he was never a good shooter. And then now in the NBA, it's, it's worth like he, he did have range. He was a shooter. It's gonna be. He's probably the 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 highest ceiling, lowest floor player in the NBA right now. He could be a washout yeah. in a year. And. Uh. He, and he could be, he could be, if he really can't shoot, he could be washed out. I think he's the face of LA. I think he's, get, I think he's got four years as the starter. Or at least, yeah. maybe two or three years as, well, as I the mean, starter. LA's in a tough spot. Like, I mean, having traded away D'Angelo, who's been ripping it up in Brooklyn, <laughs> uh, to give up on back-to-back starting point guards for your team is, is a tough spot. You're probably right. Say, okay, within, he could be out of the league in, in four years. Joining his... Uh, joining his second brother he could be jailing his brother out of Chenny's jail in in four years and uh, or he could be uh, or he or in, in within the next five years he could be out of the league or he could be an all-star that's a huge variant and yeah. we really don't know yeah. we really really don't know or he could be in the middle um, and I, I would lean towards the, the latter I think he'll be somewhere in the middle I think his shot will settle down I don't think he's going to be a transcendent game-baking player I think he'll get lots of run in LA um I don't think LeBron's going to go to LA. I think it's going to be really interesting over the next few years to see what's going on. The biggest, I mean, almost more than Lonzo is what goes on with uh, with uh, with with Brandon Ingram. Like, what what happens with him? Yeah, I've heard his name mentioned even by Zach Lowe as like maybe they would attach him with Luol Deng to get out of the contract. It's like holy oh, shit! Wow, like, yeah. yeah, Lowe said that on the podcast. And he, I, this I is a guy who was formerly untouchable for uh, in the Boogie Cousins talks, and he right? should be. Like, That's why Kupchak was fired, right? Because he was considering trading Ingram. They're like, nope, yeah. nope. They stepped in. They're like, no, fuck you. You're out of here, buddy. Yeah, and that we're, we're keeping. Yeah, weird, uh, weird, weird situation in LA. We'll keep our eye on that. Um, 
you, you previewed this one a little bit. This is my third most surprising statistic when you talked about uh, who should be mentoring Lonzo Ball in the free throw department. One of the most surprising stats for me uh, has been uh, Andre Drummond, uh, 64% from the free throw line. Um, 64? 64, yeah, he's down. <laughs> I thought it was like 82. He was up there for a little bit. He's come down to earth a little 64. bit. I mean, up from 38, man. Up from yeah. 38. It's still... It's, it's up from unplayable. Up from literally unplayable in big situations. Uh, first of all, real quick, man. Do you know Andre Drummond's nickname? Uh, the Bricklayer? No, the, the Big Penguin. The big Penguin. Is that the okay. worst nickname in the NBA? Uh... Yeah, I can't think Unless of anything Unless they still worse. call Rondo one of the three alphas, I think that'd have to be the worst nickname in the NBA. <laughs> and Wade and his zero points per game. Yeah, unless yeah, they I still call that. those guys alphas, I think that'd be the worst. Um, uh, I, I choose the this one. Um, huh? Obviously, yeah, the big Do you know the origins of that? No idea. It's, just, um, it's listed on Basketball Reference. It's in Detroit's a little bit cold. Name. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't get it. Um, Drummond, uh, uh, 64%, and like you mentioned earlier in the year, was, was around 80%. Um, I like this one just because what we talk about Stats, there's a lot of noise in the early season. There's a lot of variation, things that jump up and down. But you look at certain stats that if they can bear out, if they can stay true, could fundamentally alter the, the, the shape of the league and, and alter at least a certain player's trajectory. If he can be playable and shoot at a high percentage, you know, the, the, if, they, if other teams can't employ the hack a dre uh, defense against him, I mean, this guy's averaging 14 points, almost 16 rebounds a game. Uh, he's a monster in the middle. He's playing within himself this year, and he's been absolutely huge to Detroit's early season success, which has been a huge surprise for their success. And if you want to look at one factor, you know, the addition of Avery Bradley, certainly Reggie Jackson stepping in. But Reggie Jackson famously in an early team meeting this year pointed to Andre and said, this is your team. And he's taken it on himself, and uh, his free throw percentage to me, there's nothing else that shows a player uh, putting it on himself getting into the gym, getting reps up, then seeing them increase something like that at the line, their, their, their ability at the line. He's so talented and so young that I think if he didn't improve, I think he would have to start shooting grandma style. Like, <laughs> grandma style shot. Like, it's just ridiculous, these big guys who struggle. Like, why, they, why they don't make the move? Like Capella shooting like yeah. high 30s, like... Just, just try the granny shot, man. Like, just try it. it. It just, just try it. Try it in it, practice. It, Why not? You, you, yeah. All those free throw competition, the national ones in America, people shooting free throws, they all do granny style. It, it's the most efficient way. It's yeah. easy to repeat. You just, you get like a rhythm and you just do it over and over. Yeah, yeah. You just get the, yeah. the simplest mechanics. I really want to see someone do that. I'm guessing. I'm guessing the first person to do it will probably be white, but <laughs> <laughs> I really want to see an NBA player do it. I mean, Zach like, Collins is some Zach Collins Chinese potential. Player, or like a really like smart. It'd be cool if like someone just like hacks it and figures out like, I can shoot ninety five percent this way. But bang, just yeah. like some some dude from South Korea just yeah, yeah, yeah. comes in and good at drawing fouls and just grannies. I don't to, like, care what it looks like. Yeah, just, yeah, just get in there. Yeah. So Drummond, I mean, I mean, uh, Detroit has been one of the most surprising teams in the Eastern Conference this year. And you're right, uh, Drummond's the reason. And Drummond's the reason. And 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 to me, if you're looking at Drummond, what stands out the most about him has been his improvement at the line, because uh, that's been the storyline surrounding him. So I mean, not a ton of meat to get into into that. Um, he's well above his career average. Uh, he's almost a point per game higher in points. And uh, his 15.6 total rebounds is absurd. <laughs> just an incredible amount of rebounds. Yeah, leads uh, the league. Leads the league by by a bit. So um, so that's my third one. Uh, that's just a, just a quick hitter. Uh, I love I love love what I see from the big man, from the big penguin. 
Yeah, it's a, it almost doubles his percentage. It's sixty four is not great, but it makes him uh, a great yeah. player. Yeah. Career percentage of of thirty eight. All right, I touched on this one the last pod. This is some <laughs> some wonky Rockets three point shooting numbers. All right, uh, last week the Rockets broke the record for the most threes and a half. They shot thirty two free. Oof. Sorry, thirty two threes in the first half. And just a reminder, there's 24 minutes in a half. <laughs> and they shot 32 threes. God damn. 32 threes. And I got some other stats to go around this. Uh, so we got a 46 total. So 32 of 46 were threes. 46 and a half is also a lot of shots. But not surprisingly, the Rockets lead the league in three-point attempts. Mm-hmm. Pretty surprisingly, but maybe not to Daryl Morey, is that they are 29th in the league in percentage. Yeah. So, so they lead the league in attempts. Yeah. Everyone knows this. But they are 29th, second to worst. In percentage. In percentage. That's interesting. And, you know, you think, oh, you got Eric Gordon and Harden, but everyone on this team shoot, just chucks. Yeah. <laughs> like, they just put just, it up. Yeah. Just, every player just, just get down, three-pointer, just chuck it up. Yeah. I, I think that uh, Daryl Morey's system, I think he would like to be better than 29th, but I think, he, I would guess that he doesn't care. Yeah, that seems to be, yeah. Because 29%, uh, or uh, sorry, oh, and and their percentage is 28%. Really? Yeah. Wow, that's 28%. below 30% as a team. That's not much higher than Lonzo. If Lonzo could get 6% yeah. higher, he could join the team. Maybe you should give him the team, yeah. <laughs> Trade him for Chris Paul? What do you, who, who says no? So the team shoots 28%. Yeah. I, I thought that was really surprising. And that, is, the, that is very surprising, yeah. I, thought, I would thought, I mean, just like, Given how many of those shots are going up from Gordon's, Anderson's, Harden's, uh, uh, even Riza, Capella. There you go. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. going down Tucker the list. And Mabon, Mute, Ooh, yeah. yeah, PJ Tucker not looking very good. Yeah, looking uh, looking large. Uh, I mean, absolutely insane to watch. They're gonna they're gonna shatter the record for the most three pointers attempted in the year. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a it's a it's a weird team to watch. It's a weird. It's it is like watching a team that's just trying to hack basketball. You know, like that they're they're throwing up. That's what the, these possessions is. that they don't like. Like you said, they don't really seem to care that they're missing or that these shots aren't going in. They said, "Well, we'll get it back next time. We can miss this one and we'll make the three the next time. If we don't make it that time, we'll get it back the next time." It's just. Uh, yeah, it's a very uh, it's, a, it's a very strange thing, and I mean, you're playing in the era of the Golden State Warriors. I understand you got to try stuff, you got to mix it up. It'll be interesting, man. At a certain point, they're doing very well this year. Already, already ten wins. Um, but at a certain point, you figure that that just given the talent on that team, the shooting talent, that they're gonna go supernova for at least a week or so. And when they do, there's gonna be some absurd box scores this year coming from the Houston Rockets. I mean, the one you mentioned already with the uh, 32 three-pointers in the first half is insane. But when those charts start falling, we're going to see some we're going to see some quarters scoring records fall. We're going to see some half scoring records fall. It's going to be there's going to be some Harlem Globetrotters Washington Generals box scores going up. Yeah, and uh, if you're shooting 28% on your threes, that's only uh, 0.85 points per possession, which mm-hmm. is below league average league average is like usually above one usually mm-hmm. around like 1.1 mm-hmm. and uh i guess the strategy is one let's hope we shoot better yeah but two you, you get a lot of long rebounds yeah you stretch the floor and 
I, I didn't watch this game, but where they shot 32 threes in the first half. But their other 14 shots very well could have been slash cuts, lay-ins. You know, mm. if it's every player on your team is just chucking threes, you have to guard them. You can't leave Imbaha Mute open. Like, yeah. he's going to hit it if you leave him open. So you got to guard him. That means you have no one in the paint. Yeah. That means there's, you know, cutters and, and just a bunch of long rebounds. Like, it, it's kind of James an interesting Harden's strategy. James Harden's wonky drives with the uh, Euro stepping and, and getting in there with no shot blockers can go in fearlessly. Drawing fouls as he does, doing his James Harden stuff, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's what really spreads the floor. It's just like, we're just going to shoot every time. Yeah. And it's like... I don't care if this guy's shooting thirteen percent of the year. He's chucking it. He's throwing it up in your face. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's been a, it's been a wild. And I think the I think that's a great one to go out on because that really encapsulates the kind of NBA season we're watching, where you have teams. I mean, jump across. We've talked about that. A new look Boston Celtics team being number one in defense. A six foot eleven big man shooting eight three pointers <laughs> a game. Uh, an old school big man reinventing himself at the line. A team, um, uh, a, a team of supposed rivals uh, that's lost 11 in a row to their most feared rivals. I mean, this is the NBA in 2017, and the, and the Houston Rockets are definitely that in a nutshell. So, uh, well put. Well, stuff, good stuff all around. Yeah, man, these, these stats are pretty amazing. I'm looking forward to uh, how everything shakes out, see, see what changes or if these are really going to be trends. And, uh, yeah, just Absolutely. the league is going. So coming up this week, uh, we're looking to bring uh, our first guest onto the podcast. Uh, Brandon Thompson here is the local singer in town. Uh, uh, a, big, a big wig, a big celebrity uh, in Taipei in the local scene. So we'd like to bring him on. He's a, he's a uh, Toronto Raptors fan. Sure. And we're, we're going to hit up our first uh, in-season trivia pod that will be mm. coming at you within the week. So keep your ears to the ground for that one. All right. Thank you very much. Catch you next time. That's it for this one, guys. We'll catch you next time. Good night.